Monday. Hello, everyone. Julian King in the driver's seat for Jimmy Smith today and tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday. Great to have you along wherever you're tuning in on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, SEN 1620 on the Gold Coast. It's a very still a good morning to our friends north of the Tweed. And anywhere across the globe via the SEN app, we're here thanks to our great mates, sbsfence.com.au. Now, I want to hear from you today. The open line number, 1300 01170, 1300 01170, and the text line 0457 736 736. 100 bucks cash to give away to the best caller on the show today, thanks to Tristan Merlihan and Topsport. And our best texter to the text line will claim themselves a Signet Boost Power Bank. Valued at forty four ninety five, a Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and an earbuds powered twenty four seven. And the Who Am I up and running again? Coach K has been feverishly working in the background. And the winner today of the Who Am I? Uh, this is a hot ticket. Four tickets, in fact, tickets for you and three mates to the Golden Eagle at Rosehill Gardens Saturday fourth of November. So that is up for grabs. Tickets at theraces dot com dot au. That's this Saturday. So if you want to go. Be the first correct texter through for Who Am I? We'll do that a little later on in the program. So much, so much to digest from the weekend. And I want to hear your hot takes. So on the menu today, Tony Kemp from SENZ, former New Zealand rugby league coach, will be along to talk all things rugby league. Mark Stafford from SENZ as well in morning. No doubt Staffy will catch up with him in just over half an hour's time. Lachlan McCurdy from Coach Sports to chat a bit of cricket. Did you watch Australia New Zealand? Did you stay up for it? Don't tell me the 50-over format is dead. And Tess Connery-Britton from Media Week to look at the viewing numbers across the weekend in sport. Look, it's the biggest story in Australian sport at the moment. We can't sugarcoat it. Eddie Jones, disaster. You know, it's funny, isn't it? And I said this to Matty White. The voice referendum all of a sudden saw a large chunk of the population become constitutional experts. And now, with this Eddie Jones disaster... We all profess to be invested in rugby in this country. And Jones's resignation hasn't that extracted opinion from even the Fairweather supporters or those that say it's a rubbish game, it's boring, too many rules, don't watch it myself. Those that claim they don't watch it, gee, they're pretty interested in what's happening in the future of the game of this country. But what a sad, sorry tale. You know, Australian rugby now left in a smouldering mess. I had no drama with the day for any. And that last spring tour showed a lot of positive signs for the national team. Look past the results. If, if you read between the lines, given they had a number of outs, they were playing some really good football. Having said that, at the time of Eddie Jones' appointment, I supported it. And I did that so because Eddie had currency, he had runs on the board. He knew how to get every ounce out of a World Cup cycle. But further to that, and as importantly... Given the sport of rugby was withering on the vine, and still is withering on the vine, it had been for some time, the game not only needed wins, it needed an injection of interest. It needed a spokesperson. And in Eddie Jones, he had few better. And you remember on the, at the time of his appointment, we were talking about it ad nauseum here on the network. Rugby was on the back pages again. He got into the stouch with Peter Volandis. He got people talking about the game. Eddie got people thinking about the game. But now as we look at what's happened as the car crash that was the Rugby World Cup disappears in the rearview mirror, what was Eddie's endgame? You know, was there any other motivation aside from the novelty or maybe the romanticism of returning to an ex? We are right in asking, did he have the best interests of Australian rugby at heart? Ostensibly, yes. 
said all the right things at the various press conferences. Not that you'd believe him. If you sort of look behind that Cheshire cat grin that he exudes, Eddie Jones, something, or some of the things anyway, he said to Peter Fitzsimons in his various interviews, I thought sounded rather plausible. You know, he's a gambler. He believes in miracles. Sure. He didn't get the miracles, so what does he do? He buggers off. Deep down, admitted, look, the side wouldn't win. If you pick veterans like your Michael Hoopers or Quade Coopers or Bernard Foley's, you might have jagged a quarterfinal, but not proceeded any further. And in his mind, that was just embedding mediocrity and maybe papering over the cracks. If that's the best we could ever hope for. If you're not first, you're last. So maybe you thought, okay, we're going to blow the whole thing up. Short-term pain for long-term game. Okay, fine. Fine. Tear it down and start again. You've been given the keys, Eddie. I don't agree with your selections, but I'll go with your vision. I'll go with your vision. But what is galling about this whole thing, despite his commitments, he's committed to Australian rugby, mate. He does the Craig David. Walks away to find a better day. It's like he loves the party, doesn't want to stay back and clean up. But why? And the reasons for his departure, in his words, no money, no strategy. The changes we agreed cannot be done as we planned, so I don't believe I can make the difference we need. Okay. Well, if that's indeed the case, how is he not aware of that when he took the gig? Further to that, what assurance did Hamish McLennan give him? You know, Eddie Jones has lost a lot of skin through this, no doubt, but McLennan was the one who championed him as the Messiah. You remember the appointment? Well, it's like he paraded him around on the back of a truck as though he was a travelling freak show. Hey, check out what we got here. He's a firecracker, this Jones bloke. He'll put a rocket under everybody in the game of rugby. He'll get us talking about the game again. He knows how to get to World Cup finals. Oh, don't worry, he'll do it. What a debacle. And Fitzsimon says to Eddie... What is your primary feeling as you take leave of the Wallabies? The honest feeling in your heart. Relief, devastation, sorrow. Eddie says, disappointment, mate. I gave it a run. Hopefully be the catalyst for change. Sometimes you have to eat shit for others to eat caviar further down the track. Hang on a minute, Eddie. You just said the game can't improve in this country because there's no money and no strategy. Well, if it's at a dead end, if that's your assessment, how on earth is anybody ever eating caviar down the track? How? Some have said it was a smash and grab appointment. The shop window is broken. I want to get your thoughts on Eddie Jones today. 0457 736 736. I've lost a lot of respect for him. A lot of respect. Ian Payton wrote a scathing article in the Nine Papers. I urge you to read it. I'll just read you a little bit of what he wrote, Ian Payton. And catch up too with Tommy Deason's chat with Matty White. You can just jump on the website, sen.com.au, to hear that. Tommy's been all over this, of course, stands by the story about Eddie going to Japan rugby. It'll be stunning. In Tom's own words, watch this space. And then if he does indeed end up signing for Japanese rugby, despite his denials, well, then whatever Skerica credibility has left at the moment, Eddie Jones, will well, well and truly have evaporated. But Ian Payton. Says playing the martyr card is Jones's only remaining option. Gives him a narrative to spin to future employers. If Wallabies do well in 2027, he'll claim it. If they did poorly, he saw it coming. The simple reality is the Wallabies rebuild simply didn't need to happen a month before the 2023 Rugby World Cup. After it, sure, go for your life. 
Jones told Fitzsimons he was pissed off for having to take the blame for 20 years of decline, but he doesn't. It's disingenuous to point to structural failures of Australian rugby as being the cause for the Wallabies' World Cup rudderless exit in 2023. And any official who also pushes that line in coming weeks is trying to avoid their share of the blame. It's far simpler. The bin fire of 2023 ignited because Jones decided to torch the gains of the previous three years and start a hasty and ill-considered rebuild. Then he logged on to Zoom and now he's gone. Ian Payton in the nine papers. 0457 736 736. As for the Rugby World Cup, it was a tough weekend for the Kiwis, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Did, did you watch it? It was one for the purists, wasn't it? Farcical yellow and red cards. It ruined the spectacle. Not to say that the red decane wasn't according to the letter of the law. It was. Doesn't make it right. It was just a grind. It was punctuated by stoppages. You know what? As, as a good friend of mine, he's a rugby man through and through. And he said to me in a message, when it's played freely, it's a great game. You know, think about that Island All Blacks game. You know, the players, they're physical specimens, but this system of stopping every few minutes and finals being dictated by penalty kicks and, and the TMO is just boring. And they wonder why it's losing ground in New Zealand while league is flourishing. But well done to South Africa. You know, this is a team that lost a World Cup match to Japan. You know, if they can turn it, turn it around, Australia can turn it around. But they've got to have the will. Well done, South Africa, the Rainbow Nation. This side now unites a nation. You know, gone are the days where the black community in South Africa would actively support the All Blacks. And I think the scars of apartheid are slowly healing. 1995 had plenty to do with that. They are a rugby powerhouse. But look, at the end of the day, we are left scratching our head about the laws. You know, All Blacks captain Sam Kane cops a red for a high shot, accidental. But basically the game's over from that point, isn't it? Springboss captain Sia Khaleesi was also yellow carded for making contact with the head of Artie Sevilla. But he was allowed back on the field after 10 minutes. So a lot of people are left scratching their heads. Well, how come he doesn't get a red, but Kane does get a red? South Africa, their third one-point knockout victory in a row. They now, Springboks leapfrog the All Blacks by sealing their fourth World Cup. Second straight tournament they've won. Uh, it was in France, having beaten England at the same venue in 2007. So well done to them. Now, from Union to League, this was quite telling, I thought, this comment. I don't know if you saw Gus's remarks on Twitter slash X. But he wrote, Phil Gould, Australia far too clinical for New Zealand in the Rugby League. Kiwis just can't seem to get their act together. They've got great players. They try their hearts out. Don't ever develop the level of attacking combinations and strategy or defensive cohesion that Australian teams managed to acquire in these short-term representative team preparations. Gus goes on to say, I, I honestly think that the experience gained by Australian players in the state of origin pressure cooker each year assists greatly in bringing the Australian team together as such a cohesive unit. The Kiwi players just don't get this high-level experience. When it counts, Australia just look more organised. Kiwi should learn a lot from last night. Will it be enough to reverse the result next weekend? I highly doubt it. Wonderful entertainment, though I love watching the Australian team play. Is that a veiled swipe at Michael Maguire? Probably not. But now the pressure on Madge is mounting. You know, can he take the Blues job and the Kiwis job, given that loss? They're a fine side, New Zealand. The two teams play ten times, they might win one or two out of the ten. But does Gus have a point? Does origin experience count for something when you're playing short-term international series at the end of a long season? 
I'm not as convinced by that, but it's a lot smarter than I'll ever be when it comes to matters rugby league. Kangaroos were impressive, though. 36 points to 18, Amy Park. The end of the day, look, their defence is too good. Simple as that. And concerning for New Zealand, they play again next week. This was not Australia's best side. Cam Murray scored late, just sort of polished that scoreline. Look, it probably wasn't a 36-18 game. Maybe it was a bit unfair on the Kiwis. But Cam Murray now, six successive tests he scored a try. The joint most for a forward level with a great Ronnie Coote. He was outstanding. What about the hammer? Hammer so tabuai for Doe. Look, he's one of the premier centres in the game. He plays fullback for his club. But that left edge was humming. Murray, Hammer and Munster. They'll go that way again and they'll win again. And it's a good hit out for some of the other players too. Mal was able to rotate some of the big guns in the middle. Gave a bit of time to, to Nico Hines, to Tom Flegler on debut. So Payne Haas, Tino, Selwyn Cobbo, all in line to return next week. 0457 736 736. John on the open line, I'll get you to stick tight, mate. We'll try and get you. I'll get Keen to call you back in about half an hour's time if that's okay. Now to the Cricket World Cup. I'll put this to you. 19 off the last over in a 20-over game compared to 19 off the last over in a 50-over game. Which is a more tense finish? It's got to be the 19 in the 50-over game. I think it has more meaning because of the ebbs and flows that led you there. You know, after 50 overs, is it this close, really? And that was the equation when Australia took on New Zealand on Saturday night. What a cracking game. You know, T20 cricket has revitalised a 50-over game. We had, what, 770 runs in that match. Phenomenal cricket. And I just wish they would rather than throw 50-over cricket on the scrap heap and say, you know, we've got to revise whether because of the poor crowds. A good game of cricket is a good game of cricket. It doesn't matter the duration. So focus on rolling out the best conditions to have close finishes. That's all you want is a contest. Good sport is a contest. End of story. And a lot of T20 games are not contests. It was a belter of a match. The Aussies getting one over the back, black caps. What about Trav Head? Hand? Broken? What broken hand? Tunned up. I made the observation that if he hadn't broken his hand, Travis said, he would have had 107 balls. Middle overs, batting still a problem for Australia. There was far too much left to Cummins, who struck them beautifully at the back end of the innings. Probably made the difference with that late order hitting, given the Aussies left 10 balls on the table. And he bowled well too. They now play England on Saturday, got towed up by India. They have imploded this tournament. Abysmal campaign, fifth defeat, record fifth defeat in 2023 tournament. India cruised to 101 100-run victory. They got dusted in 35 overs, England. Their fifth loss in six games. Bottom of the 10-team table. Collapsed to 129. You hate to see it, don't you? You hate to see it. But this is a revolutionary side, is it not? But four wins in a row, the Aussies have hit their stride. Well done to them. So it wasn't an inspiring start to the tournament, obviously going down to England, uh, England, India and South Africa. But now odds on to claim a semi-final spot. 0457... 736, 736. Just before we get to the first break, Mexican Grand Prix, a stop-start affair this morning. I caught a bit of it. Max Verstappen cruised to victory. Daylight second. Uh, he finished ahead of Hamilton and Leclerc. Great race, too, for Danny Rick. Strong seventh. Was P4 in qualifying. And that's in the tractor known as the Alpha Tower of the other Aussie, Oscar Piastri in eighth. Dave Reynolds snapped a five-year drought with a thrilling win in the Gold Coast 500 finale on Sunday. Well done to him. The last one on the streets of Newcastle, Davey Reynolds, November 2018. So a big weekend for him. Matildas smashed Philippines 8-0. It 
If we're talking to Tess Connery Britain to see how many people tuned in, I reckon it would have been pretty popular on the Ten Network. Shows we haven't got off that Matilda's bandwagon. Hattrick to Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford. We had goals as well to, to Mary Fowler and Claire Wheelots. It's great to see the women back in action. And then, look, the less said about my beloved Manchester United, the better. I'd suffice to say, I don't like being the second best Manchester club. But luckily, as an Australian, I've got hands on the Spurs to, shall we say, temper my disappointment. Not normally a big second team guy, but they are my second team at the moment. The Cox Plate, got to hand it to Jay Mack, don't you? Well done to the connections of Romantic Warrior, a cracking race. I was all over fangirl. And I reckon if J-Mac was a board fangirl, top three finish. 0457 736 736. Up and running. There is so much on the menu this Monday morning across the SEN network. Want to hear from you throughout the course of the afternoon. Anything you want to talk about? Rugby league, of course, the Eddie Jones affair. Rugby, a lot of tech starting to come through. And what about this? You know, I think most people of our vintage were sad to hear about the passing of Matthew Perry from Friends, Chandler, the best character. But who would you want to celebrate with? Because, you know, he looked like a good bloke just to hang out with, didn't he? So think about those in the sporting world. Who would you like to celebrate with after a week? Who do you think would just be really cracking company? Spend a day with, maybe have a beer. Have a think about that. 0457 736 736. Signa Boost Power Bank to give away to the best text on the program. And the best caller, 100 bucks cash, can come your way, courtesy of Tristan Merlihan and Top Sport. We are up and running for this Monday afternoon, right across the SEN network. Julian King and the chair for Jimmy Smith. We'll take our first break on the other side of this. We'll talk rugby league with Tony Kemp.